live statewide on the Ref Radio Sports Network. It's the T-Row in the Morning Show with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Join in and text the show on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Now, live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby Rowland. And T.J. Perry. Swung on that. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. He's tied the babe. It's a judgy and blast. Bedlam is history. We all know that. We've known that. Because OU chose to follow Texas and the money to the SEC. It's okay. So now we're having what I think are childish discussions in my opinion, over something that's done. Good. That's good. That's a good thing. Hour two, T-Row in the morning show on a Wednesday, September 21, Working Man Wednesday. We're at Brown O'Haver today, hanging out with John. Tyler's here doing work as well. This is the ref, the home of Sooner fans. OUK State coming up 7 o'clock. Oh, by the way, there's a football game this Saturday. The story of the day, though, is... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Bedlam. I gotta let it play. I'm sorry. I'm gonna let this play for a little bit. You got it. What's the right, Larry Fleet? Larry Is Fleet. that the guy's name? Yeah. Great song. Great song. Um, uh, the story of the day is Bedlam. Uh, so let's uh, let's play some audio here. Brett McMurphy got this started yesterday with uh, the tweet during our show yesterday morning that he had talked to both athletic directors and that Bedlam football would not continue officially once uh, OU and Texas go to the SEC. Well, that got everybody riled up yesterday. I think we already kind of knew that, but I guess the athletic directors coming out and making it official was the newness in that story. Brent and Mike were both asked about it yesterday. So let's start with Mike. TJ, you've got Brent, right, on uh, on Bedlam, I believe. Is that true? Uh, yes, I've got it here. Okay, so let's hear let's hear Mike's whole uh, orchestrated uh, media avail yesterday, and then we'll hear Brent's thoughts on Bedlam going forward, and then uh, we can all chime in. John, feel free to jump in here. We'll get the fans' reaction, all that kind of stuff. So, Mike, there's no game this week for the Cowboys, no press conference. But he had a media availability yesterday at which he brought a piece of paper with some bullet points on it. He came uh, with an agenda. So here's what uh, that sounded like. OU's officials were in negotiations with the SEC for months and months before anybody in this league or the conference knew about it. No objections? Okay. During those multi-billion dollar conversations... I wonder if Bedlam was ever brought up at that point instead of the money. Okay. Bedlam is history. We all know that. We know that. Because OU chose to follow Texas and the money to the SEC. It's okay. Is that a fact? Okay. So now, we're having what I think are childish discussions, in my opinion. Okay, over something that's done. 
And I would like to like make this the last statement I have because I have no hard feelings, but what's going on now is, is almost a situation with a husband and a wife or a girlfriend and a boyfriend. When you know you're dead wrong and you try to turn the table and make them think they're wrong, when Oklahoma State has no part in this, we didn't have anything to do with their negotiations with the SEC. We didn't have any choice on choosing to leave the conference. They did. So everybody needs to get over it and move on and quit trying to turn the tables. It's somewhat comical that they still want to bring us into this equation. I want somebody here to give me one example of what Oklahoma State had to do with this. I'm listening, really, and this is like, I'm not the head coach, I'm just a guy on the street. I, I just want somebody to tell me what one thing that myself, Chad Weiberg, or Dr. Shrum, or our regents had to do with any of this going on. So let's not turn the tables. Let's just say, hey, look, we chose to follow Texas and take the money, and we're going to the SEC. It's all good. Well, let's quit talking about it, and let's talk about football. That's the way I feel about it. No hard feelings. And I like Joe C., but it is what it is, right? we we got to quit beating around the bush and call it the way it is. There you go. There is uh, what Mike had to say yesterday. Um, now let's play Brent. Brent at his press conference, TJ was asked about the news of the day. With this is before Mike Gundy had to say what he had to say. Go ahead. Um, I didn't. I didn't hear that. So, like I said, I like to keep things simple. Uh, be the last one to find out. This way, it happens at my house. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it isn't. Uh, I love rivalry games for all the right reasons. If that's what they've decided to do, that's what they've decided to do. My opinion really doesn't matter. But I, I, I love rivalry games um, for all the reasons people have a, a, a deep, a genuine uh, investment in their, in their school and take incredible pride. And so uh, what that does in those environments is, is really cool. And, and I, again, I'm a, as I've said before, I'm a traditionalist at heart. So... I understand, you know, what the rivalries look like, whether it's as a Sunflower State showdown or uh, that's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or uh, you can go down and list all the other ones that are out there. Um, but those are, are, are a great thing for, for college athletics. All right, what do you think, Teach? I think what I've said all along with this thing, for me um, – I saw a lot of media yesterday like really upset over this and talking about how bad it sucked and this and that. And I just look at that game differently than a lot of people. I am not like it's on a pecking order for me. Like Texas and Nebraska are much higher level of a rivalry for me as an Oklahoma fan than Oklahoma State's ever been in my life. Like going back to my childhood, like Oklahoma State was never like something like I got nervous or fired up about. They, it was just, they were just there. You just played them. You had to have them on the schedule. You just beat them every year, and it's continued that way. I mean, they've gotten Oklahoma a few times over the years. Mike Gundy's gotten them a few times over the years. Drake and I uh, and some others have talked about this. Like, is it a true rivalry if you can lose to your rival over and over and over again and keep your job? Uh, so... I've never been upset at losing Bedlam if it meant going to the SEC because I knew what the level of competition was going to be in the SEC. If you told me you were losing Texas, I would be upset because that's the true rivalry for me. When I look at this, I see Nebraska, even though we haven't played them, 
that feeling I had all week last week was, was because it was Nebraska. I won't have that same feeling, you know, when Bedlam swings around this year. I just never have. I never will. It's just I've never looked at it the way that a lot of media members have around here. And so those that were like yesterday, like, everyone can agree this sucks. I don't. I'm fired up about the SEC, and as long as they're still playing Texas, I'm good. So third on a line of rivalries, if that's how you want to place them on a list, then sure, they are. They need Oklahoma more than Oklahoma needs them, and that's what Mike's upset about. It leaves them without that rivalry. It leaves them without that built-in game every year that you sell to recruits. They've got nothing now, and he knows that. And I feel bad for him over that, but... OU is the lion here. They can't concern themselves with the sheep. They've got to move on and do what's best for them in a changing landscape of college football. So that's what they did here. I agree with TJ that I would choose the SEC over Bedlam every single year. Like, it's not an issue. If we have to give up Bedlam to get to the SEC, I think it's the right move. Where I don't agree with TJ is it does suck to lose Bedlam. Like, that's an in-state game. Mm -hmm. It's a fun atmosphere. It's a fun game every year. Mm -hmm. Maybe because we win all the time makes it even more fun. I I don't know. But there's something about playing your in-state rival year after year. Uh, I don't know why us going to the SEC excludes Oklahoma State from being able to play us. Like, the logic that that Mike Gundy's using where he's like, well, I mean, they chase the money. They – this also coming from the coach who seemingly has an you know interview every other year to raise and then and then it's followed with a good point followed with a contract right. extension. I mean you know the hypocrisy abounds up there in Stillwater, but I don't know why you can't be upset, get over it, and schedule it every year. I mean why not? It just it, it makes so much sense to have Oklahoma State on your schedule. Every SEC school, well, I say every SEC school, a lot of SEC schools have that in-state game. Uh, that they play every year, or yeah, like uh, like S- like South Carolina plays Clemson, you know that sort of deal. I, it just Florida plays Florida State. It just makes sense to play the team that's forty five minutes or you know an hour or hour away from campus. So uh, I think it sucks, but at the same time, if we have to choose SEC over Bedlam, yeah, we're going to take SEC every day. Um, well, I agree with you. It stinks. I, I uh, what's that? Did oh, sorry. I was just telling you a caller in your ear. Oh, um, I agree with uh, you, John. I, it stinks. I think it's, um, and it does, I'm not putting them ahead of Texas or anything like that. I, but I think you have to, like, we got a little bit of a weird work situation, uh, with our jobs. Like we're surrounded completely by, our name of our station is the home of Sooner fans, okay? So it's a bunch of OU people that, that work at the ref. But I think if you are a person who is uh, in a traditional office building or church or schools or the whole interactivity between OU and OSU fans and the constant trash talking and the constant comparisons throughout the year, when it's around you all the time, Bedlam's a big deal. You know, and for most people, it's around them all the time. You know, you're you're at school with uh, my, my daughter is in high school with a bunch of OSU fans. They probably outnumber OU fans. They know who her dad is. They're constantly talking stuff to her, and people at offices are bragging about who won what game and all that kind of stuff. 
So for most people in the state, they're in that kind of a situation. Neighborhoods, the neighbor's flying an OSU flag, I'm flying an OU flag, whatever the case may be. So the fact that they're not going to play uh, for a while, I, I, I think that does stink. I, the whole premise of the media veil yesterday cracks me up because it's like a, it's a media veil. It's not a discussion like he's waiting for someone to answer him. Nobody's got a problem with that? No, nobody's there to argue with you. They're there to film what, you, <laughs> what you're saying right now. This isn't an open discussion, although there were several points in there that could be uh, debated as he was uh, making them going through. Um, the, the fact that he says there's no hard feelings is comical because there is nothing but hard feelings in Stillwater over how this whole thing has gone down. If we're going to start telling people to be honest about things, uh, you guys are mad about this. Oklahoma State, from the top down, is ticked off at OU for what they've done. So don't try to drop the whole no hard feelings line and the whole get over it. He's like, we just need to get over it, move on. From the person who keeps bringing it up, you know. Uh, all that being said, this is, like, really not that complicated. Like, OU and OSU have talked and will, in all likelihood, once it's figured out exactly when the conference change is going to be made and all that kind of stuff, will continue to play each other in basketball, in baseball, in softball, in all these other sports, they're going to keep continuing. They have talked, and and I know this for a fact, they have talked, and they they will play each other in all these other sports. And they have talked about the football situation. It just doesn't fit right now for Oklahoma State for the next several years. Uh, OU's got some openings because of having to drop Tennessee and Georgia. OU does not have marquee opponents right now for 2024, 27, 28. They've got, you know, even past that, 31 and 32. They've got some availability right now to go schedule that one non-conference big game. Oklahoma State doesn't right now. They have, for the, from now through the end of the decade, they've got at Arizona State next year, Arkansas, Oregon, Oregon, Arkansas, Alabama, Alabama. So unless they're going to go two big-time opponents, which you could, but they won't, then they would have to cancel one of those agreements, which is going to cost millions of dollars, and there's no way they're going to do it just to play OU. They're, they're not going to do that and say, yeah, let's accommodate Oklahoma. They're mad at OU. They're mad at us. They're not going to go, yeah, let's make it work for OU. Maybe they're going to play again, but I don't think it's going to be until 2030 at the earliest. And it's probably not going to be until Mike Gundy's gone, honestly, because I think he likes the idea of not playing Oklahoma. And so he'll be gone eventually. They'll play again eventually. Who knows who the coaches and athletic directors are going to be. But it does stink for the state. But it's really kind of logical. Like you just – you look at what's scheduled and how far out it's scheduled, and can you cancel things and move things around? Yes, but that's complicated, costs money, and OSU's not going to do that to accommodate OU because they're mad about it. And I'm not even telling them they shouldn't be mad about it. You know, I mean, 
they they are uh, they're the one that got broken up with here. So, you know. But can we at least agree that if you take a step back and try to look at it in a non-bedlam sort of way, non-partisan sort of way, this is like the best thing that could happen to Oklahoma State because the creation of bigger conferences in the SEC and the Big Ten have spurred the impetus for the 12-team playoff. So now they get to participate in a system that allows them much easier access into the playoff. Absolutely. Like they are going to have so much easier time. They routinely, they can finish in the top 12, especially not having an OU on their schedule. They can finish in the top 12. Sure. And so to me, if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, maybe maybe I am Mike Gundy and I want to just be a little brat for a while. But at the end of the day, this is a win for them. Not having to play Oklahoma and getting to be a part of a 12-team playoff. I think it has the potential of working out very nicely for them. It's yeah. C- yeah. Working out very nicely for them. Does it hurt them in recruiting to not get to sell the Bedlam game to recruits? Well, That's an interesting question to so me. So it'll take them from 35th in recruiting to 45th in recruiting? Well, I'm, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think OU uses the OU Texas game in recruiting to say, hey, you get to be a part of this featured event. I'm sure they do, you know. Yeah. It's part of the part of the cool thing about coming to OU is you get to play that game every year. I don't know how much OSU uses Bedlam in recruiting. I don't know if they – I assume they do. Does it hurt them to not have that marquee national game to promote? I don't, I don't know, but yesterday seemed like a bunch of bluster about stuff we already knew, to be honest with you. It was just another good show. Mike could Mike put on another good show up in Norman, up in Stillwater. All right, let's hit some of the uh, viewer texts when we come back. Back after this. The T-Row in the Morning Show is powered by extreme outdoor equipment. Four-wheelers, side-by-sides, UTVs, travel trailers, or motorhome rentals. With two locations, I-35 at Goldsby exit 104B and I-44 at the Newcastle Tuttle exit 108. Toby and TJ back with you. T-Row in the morning show. This hour brought to you by Saxon Realty Group right here on the ref. Terry Saxon, home of the $8.99 listing fee. Saving you thousands of dollars on the sale of your home. Doesn't discount the service, though. Same service you'll get from any other realtor out there. 405-361-3380 or saxonrealtygroup.com. A couple of texts here, and then we'll get Kent in on the phone lines. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Most OSU fans should love uh, OU moving to the SEC because there is a much better chance of OU losing more games than they lose in the Big 12. That's from Ralph in Tulsa. He says, Boomer. All right. Uh, they've got a chance to win more games, too. So, mm-hmm. I think Gundy is afraid to get to the college playoffs as Big 12 champs with OU being gone and lose every time they make it. That's what this texture says. I mean, we are. Uh, it, it, there's no way we get to. There's no way we go very deep into this without having a bedlam playoff game, right? I mean, that's the way karma works. Mm-hmm. The committee is going to set it up at some point so that OU and OSU play each other in a five twelve matchup or a six eleven or something like that along the way. That is going to be epic, especially even, if they haven't it, played for a while. If 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 it's something where this goes. Through the decade, like yeah. you're saying, yeah. And even if it's not in a in the playoff scenario, they'd get us in a bowl game. 
they put us they figure out some way to yeah. finagle a bowl game yeah. that we're having to play each other <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's gonna happen and, yeah. and i do think that once it's all settled that's john out, by the way we're at brown o'haver today that's john go ahead once it's all laid out and settled i do think they play and i think they get like on an every five-year rotation mm-hmm. and that may be better for osu you knock OU off one of the few times that you're able to you get to sit on it for five years so yeah. it may be better for them in the long run osu will get the OSU will be one of the home and homes that they play, you know, every five, every six right. to ten years, mm-hmm. along with Michigan and Ohio State and Clemson and Penn State and Wisconsin and all those other schools that are still going to be marquee. I don't think OU will. I don't think I think OU wants to play Bedlam. I know OU wants to play Bedlam if OSU's up for it. I don't think they want to play it every year, in at the expense of not playing other marquee non-conference games. Like, I don't think Joe, anyway, wants to say, yeah, let's play OSU every year and forget us playing the Michigans, Ohio States, Clemsons, Penn States of the world. I think they still want to keep doing that in non-conference and make OSU one of those. And quite frankly now, all of the Big 12 teams become potential non-conference opponents for OU, which is interesting. They can schedule home-and-homes with Texas Tech, or TCU, or Iowa State, or whoever, as non-conference opponents now. Last one here. I'll let you get to the phone. E-Man says, I disagree. OU stinks. Bedlam is boring. <laughs> Thank you. Kent, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. Uh, you know, I'm Gundy kind of contradicted himself. On one hand, he said Oklahoma spent months and months negotiating a billion-dollar deal. Then he turned around and said, we just followed uh, Texas into the SEC, which, by the way, Texas isn't in the SEC yet, so I I don't know how you follow somebody somewhere they haven't gone yet. And also, the bottom line is, we're doing what's in our best interest, and Oklahoma State wants OU to do what's in Oklahoma State's best interest. That's not how it works. And if, 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 the, if the thing is they just want to play us, they're upset because Bedlam's ending, they have the option of saying, okay, we'll continue to play you then. They're, they're mad because we're not doing what's in their best interest. We're doing in what's our best interest. I don't understand that logic. No. Hey, thanks for the call, Kent. Appreciate it. Right, thanks, guys. I, I do think Oklahoma State has a right to be upset. And I do, even from our conversation as we're talking out loud, I recognize the arrogance in our positioning, Oklahoma's positioning, because it's almost like we've broken up with them, but we're like, but you're going to find somebody better. Like, this is really a better situation for you. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like you didn't want me. You didn't want me. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm a great guy. I'm too really, good for you, actually. You'll find me. someone more on your level. <laughs> Listen, yes, you're going to find somebody that's going to give you a better opportunity to win. When we went out on the red carpet, everybody was always taking yeah. pictures of me. This will give you a chance to shine more. And I, and I was, and I'm as responsible as anybody for saying that. You know, it's this really works out for this really works out for Oklahoma State because now they can make the playoff better and all that. So I, I do appreciate the arrogance that OU fan is demonstrating, but at the same time, Gundy is just he's too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we ha- we resort to arrogance because of stupid stuff like this, like mm-hmm. showing up with a press conference and not objecting. And I got a bunch of points. You guys, let me know. When. Is is that a fact? Can I finish? Is that a fact? You know, it's like, come <laughs> on, man. Like, I-, I mean, Toby, the way you explained it makes perfect sense. It's lo- the logistics of the whole thing. It's a whole lot easier 
to schedule a midweek basketball game or baseball sure. game than it yeah. is a, a, a football game when there's such a limited number of options. At the same time, Oklahoma State, you know, just blaming it all on OU when they could easily say, hey, you know what? Our schedule's full. Take a look. Here it is. Mm-hmm. We, we want to play the next available time we've got it. We'll, we'll work it out. We're excited to continue to play Oklahoma when we get a chance. Like, to me, that sounds like a lot more grown-up answer than, well, OU just left us for the money. It's Okay, thanks, Mike. You know, does it make sense? It, it does. Uh, what, what OU did hurt their feelings, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be. It hurt their feelings that OU went off without them because they thought they were a package deal. And at one point, they, I think they probably were a package deal. But they have not handled it great. Like even from you know yeah. from President Shrum on down, they yeah. have they have not they've been you know they've whined about it, and um, so at some point that'll change. At some point they'll say, you know what, uh, forget it. Let's just we're, we're okay where we're at. You're okay where you're at. Let's see if we can play again in 2030 or whatever the case may be. But I mean, here's how I think this is going to go. I think uh, you know at some point OU is going to be in the SEC. They're going to play nine conference games. They're going to have their three uh, regular opponents, which is going to be, who knows, let's say Texas, Arkansas, and I think the third one will be a a lower rung one. Let's say South Carolina, something like that. And they're going to rotate, and you're going to have Alabama coming to town. You're going to have Florida coming to town. You're going to have uh, Texas A&M coming to town. You're still going to play Texas in the Cotton Bowl. You're still going to have a non-conference marquee, one of those three non-conference opponents every year is going to be a marquee opponent. Now, it might not be Ohio State every year. It could be like, uh, you know, we've had some UCLA's and Nebraska's in recent years. I mentioned Texas Tech or a TCU. I mean, that, that could be your bigger name opponent of the three. They're still going to play a marquee non-conference game. And you're going to have 10, you know, the nine conference and the one marquee non-conference, you're going to have 10 big-time football games every year. And at least half of those are going to be played, you know, at home. So that and OSU will be a part of that at some point. OSU will be a part of that rotation at some point once they get to the point where they've got some openings and feelings aren't quite as bruised. You're right. It may be once Gundy's gone. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem. Yeah. Yeah. Once he's taken the Nebraska job and moved on, or whatever the case may be, (laughs) or retired. I mean, how old is Mike? Oh, he's not well, that he was, old. I mean, he's still he got a forty. He was forty in 07, right? <laughs> so, what's that make him? Good logic by you. Yeah. Right? That makes him fifty-five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got today's another birth, today's birthdays. Another decade to go logic. if he wants. Yeah, yeah. All right, break time. Uh, we're at Brown O'Haver today. We'll continue to take your phone calls and text messages four zero five six five one three four three nine, and we're going to talk to John about his uh, fantastic business when we come back. The Ref. Network studios are powered by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, tornado. We can help. Call 405-735-5510. Brown O'Haver today hanging out with John Whitson, Britt Venables, talking about dealing with the Kansas State running game, which is Deuce Vaughn. That's coming up Saturday night on Owen Field. Uh, He's probably in that neighborhood. He's been around for a while. Seems like it. Been around. I think he's only a junior, because he was a when he was a true freshman. He was, you know, he was electric. Right, so right. I think he's only a junior, but 
Yeah, he's a problem. He's a problem. We'll see if the Sooners can wrangle him on Saturday night. Uh, we're at Brown O'Haver hanging out with John. Uh, you been impressed with uh, Brent Venable's team last week? Oh, absolutely. Defensively, you know, what he's talking about there, it's, um, it's fascinating to watch the way, at least through three games, his defensive strategy is, which is to be very aggressive against the run, very aggressive in pressuring the quarterback, but on the back end, he's playing kind of like a safe coverage, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing behind us. Keep everything in front of us. Swarm to the ball. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's cool to, to be – it's cool as a viewer and a, and a fan to be able to see a strategy there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't look haphazard. It doesn't look like we're doing something different on every play to try to figure it out. It actually makes a lot of sense. These down linemen – Way aggressive, crazy aggressive. Get after the ball carrier, get after the quarterback. Everybody else, don't do anything stupid. And it's like very effective. I like the way it's working, and I think it's going to be very effective against Kansas State. I think that's exactly what you need to do against the Kansas State is neutralize Vaughn and then dare the quarterback to make some throws. Right. Because Adrian Martinez is a nice athletic quarterback, not the best thrower. He, he really isn't. And so I, I'm excited about the matchup. I think, it, it, I think the matchup is – for a Brent Venables defense, it's a really nice matchup. Yeah. I agree with you. Here's the the caveat, I would say. The the structure you pointed out is exactly right. But the uh, be aggressive in the front seven part of it is chaos. Like that part of it, sure. you watch it from play to play and go, what in the heck are they doing on this play? Like, you know, they're – they may be bringing two guys from the right. Maybe bringing two guys from the left. They may be bringing guys in the a gap. There was one play on Saturday where they lined up Clayton Smith over the center, nose up, and then they had everybody else to his right. They had like four pass rushers to his right and nobody to the left. And you could see Casey Thompson looking at it like, "What in the heck am I looking at here?" Like it was. Just a bizarre formation. Well, and so it's very there. There is a lot going on in that front seven. And statistically, you you see that you can see that statistically in that infamous cheetah position that we've all been talking about all mm-hmm. all summer. You know who's going to play cheetah? Well, with Deshaun White and then Canick, who by the way, my goodness, no good. Oh my gosh! But those two guys are your leading tacklers. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it's almost like the defense has or the offense has zero idea where those guys are going to be on every play. Right. You know how you, you always picture, uh, you know, Manning or Tom Brady pointing out the mic, you know, 52's the mic. <laughs> if they had to point out the cheetah, they could never find him. I mean, that guy was always invisible for some reason, unblockable. And to think that Deshaun White gets ejected and is your second leading tackler, his replacement, who didn't play half the game, is a true freshman, is your leading tackler, just tells you that absolutely. They're sending things in – and that's what I meant by over, by crazy aggressive. You're right. It's crazy. It is. It's, there's no logic to it, and yeah. at least from a viewer standpoint. But behind that, Toby, it's like guys, just do your job. Yeah. Let's just, you know, they got beat one time in that game. Just mm-hmm. that very first all play. year they've gotten beat one time. Yeah, one time. And so against the K State, to me, that strategy makes sense. You know, and we've gone for five years going. What are they trying to do? Are we are we pressing? Are we backing off? Are we blitzing? Are we do? It was never like a cohesive strategy, and you and I aren't defensive masterminds, right? 
But even we can identify just from a sports perspective, oh, they have a strategy. We're going to be very aggressive here, safe here. If we give up the intermediate routes, that's okay because there's a really good chance we're going to get a tackle for loss or a sack on the next play. You know, and so and when it just, you cross the 50, the aggression ramps up. Like when, the closer you get to the scoring zone, the, well, yeah, more, because, the more he's well, turning up the heat. Well, it just by nature, it makes sense, right? Because you're losing space that you have to cover, especially on the back end. So, um, again, it's, it's, I don't think it's anything crazy, but it's a cohesive strategy that makes a lot of sense and looks like in the Big 12 is going to be very, very effective. Here will be the tricky part on Saturday. The last two weeks they have faced uh, Kent State and Nebraska, two offenses that go fast. They have snapped it quickly. They have used tempo. Kansas State is the polar opposite of that. Kansas State will take every bit of the clock. They will shift 17 times before every snap. They want to make it – remember last – was it last year's game? Maybe that was Kansas, I'm thinking. Well, every game last year, OU only had the ball like five times it felt like. Yeah. They want to shorten the number of possessions, go on 12-minute drives if they can. They're going to test the patience of that front seven because OU is up on the balls of their feet and they're attacking, their hair's on fire, they're coming after you. And now they're going to have to sit there for 30 seconds. And watch all the shifts and adjust to the shifts and, you know, figure out now who's got the slot receiver and all that thinking that K-State makes you do before the snap. And then once it happens, still have that aggression. But it's going to happen at a much slower rate. So that'll be interesting just to see the, the patience. Can they stay as aggressive and be as effective so, when Kansas State tries to put this game in the deep freeze so, offensively? So you're saying – in a in a in a very counterintuitive way, a slowed down offense could be one way of attacking our defense. That's well, yeah, sure. But any which any, is normally not the case, right? Normally it's at fast pace. It's going to put us on our heels. We're going to be reacting. We're going to have to. You got to think. It's not just that they're taking more time. Kansas State and Iowa State's really good at this too. Makes you think so much in the pre-snap because of the shifting and all of the stuff that they do with their offense before the ball's ever snapped. Where am I supposed to be now? Okay, now they did this. Where am I supposed to be now? What gap do I have now? Who am I covering now? Who's got this been? All this kind of stuff. It naturally backs off your aggression because your mind's churning so much. And, yeah, that's a good way to attack, uh, to counterattack a team that just wants to, you know, come after you. So it's just a different test. I don't sure. think – I'm not saying OU is going to struggle with it, but it's a different test than they've seen the last couple of weeks for sure. And it is one that has given them problems the last few years. These teams that shift a lot and move a lot and play double tight ends and all this kind of stuff has given OU some fits. So I'll be eager to see if they can handle it better. I do. I think. I think you're right that there will be some adjustments that are going to have to be made on the front end or, or uh, in the trenches where all those shifts are taking place. But it seems like the way he's structured that secondary, they can just sit back and wait. It seems like a very patient secondary. There's not a lot of running around. Not a lot of guys freaking out in the secondary. Those guys are sitting back waiting to pounce. I, I think it's a, a fascinating matchup. I like what Teddy it. said on Saturday. He goes, do we even have corners? Yeah. It's like we never – nobody ever says the names of our corners because they're never involved in any plays anymore. Well, yeah. We're not even thing. We're not even letting running backs get to the sideline where our, where our corners have to make a tackle. Yeah. It's crazy. Break time. Brown O'Haver today. It's the ref, the home of Sooner fans. Back after this. 
This hour of the T-Row in the Morning Show is brought to you by Saxon Realty Group. Call Terry or Jackie at 405-361-3380. Back on the T-Row in the Morning Show on The Ref. This hour brought to you by Saxon Realty Group, home of the eight ninety nine listing fee. Give Terry a call. Find out more information on that and how to save yourself thousands of dollars. 405-361-3380 or saxonrealtygroup.com. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Why are the people that cover OU either on the radio, TV, print, obsessed with OU fans accepting OSU as a rival and get offended if we don't see it that way uh, and aren't mad that the schools won't play every year? What say you, Toby Rowland? Why are you offended? I don't know who they're talking about. You? (laughs) Me? You said earlier, Uh if you're an OU fan and you're not upset over this and aren't sad they're not going to play, you're a jerk and stupid. That's what you said. That's a direct quote from me? That's a direct quote from you. Man, well, I apologize to everyone. That's a stupid thing That or Barry Trammell. It was one of (laughs) you. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I think they're talking about maybe Eddie Radosevich yesterday who was fighting with people on Twitter, so. That's not us. You can think whatever you want, folks. <laughs> OU is willing to do the dishes. OSU wants OU to want to do the dishes. End of story. <laughs> so we, we always boil this down to dis, a domestic dispute, don't we? And, but it's just like your girlfriend cheats on you, and then she wants to get back together for Christmas, and we say, who's got the kids? What? What? Did we get married in this analogy somewhere? <laughs> Uh, Toby, if the SEC announced tomorrow that they're inviting Oklahoma State to join, mm-hmm. uh, Gundy, Shrum, et cetera, will be going in and say, are they going to go and say, nah, we're good, we're going to go back to the Big 12? This <laughs> no. is ridiculous. <laughs> no. No, they would not. Uh, Aggie being Aggie text. Um, let's see here. We broke up with a good personality for a smoking hot babe. <laughs> <laughs> Well said, well said. We're at Brown O'Haver today. I'm hanging out with John. Uh, John, you uh, you know, we all the time in this state, I guess every state, but in this state for sure, something's going on, whether it's tornado season or the summer. We had a lot of fires. We're coming up before you know what the weather's going to turn. It seems like around Christmas time we get a lot of fires out there as well. Whatever disaster or tragedy hits, that's what you guys are here to help people with, right? Absolutely, Toby. We are public insurance adjusters. Brown O'Haver works for the insured, not the insurance company. Uh, and one of the things uh, that Alice Young, my boss and wife, uh, wanted uh, me to make sure I mention on the radio is that property management groups have become a large part of our business. Huh. So if you're a property manager out there and you, either you own a, lot of biz, alone, own a lot of properties or manage a lot of owned properties, uh, really need to consider using Brown O'Haver for any kind of insurance claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually manage, pro- we actually handle insurance claims for one of the largest property management groups in Norman, as well as Oklahoma City. And they've even written it into their rental contracts that if a loss occurs, they're required to hire Brown O'Haver because so many property managers think they have to handle the insurance claim. Makes sense. Yeah. But they don't. That's yeah. not part of a typical property management agreement. Um, it's, it really falls outside their purview. And so in order for them to continue property managers to continue to do what they're good at, which is managing properties, keeping up with repairs, keeping up with renters, all of that sort of situation to have a group 
of people that can solely dedicate to working on insurance claims, which occur all the time. Yeah. Uh, work with us, Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. You reach out to us and, and we can tell you how it's worked with other clients, how we've done it for other clients. At the end of the day, they only hire us because we make them more money. No, no, there's not another, a business doesn't do relationship with another business if it's not making them money. Right. So the only reason why we are working with the largest property ownership group and management group in Norman and, and in Oklahoma City is because we're making them money and we're making the owners of their properties money. So give us a call, 405-735-5510. 30 to 40% more than otherwise? Is that what your average is? Yeah, that right? A- absolutely. It's 30 to 40% more. And if you think about it, if you're, if you're a property management group or any kind of commercial group or business owner, if, if you're not focusing on your core business bringing in money, you're also looking at revenue lost, right? If you're having to yeah. deal with an insurance claim, it's costing you money to deal with it because you're taking away your energy and your efforts and your time from what makes you money. Right. So allow us to handle the insurance claim for you, take it off your plate, and bring back more money for you, the property management group, and the homeowner or business It's owner. almost preventative. Like it's, we always talk about reactive in this. When something bad happens, call us. This is almost a preventative situation. Absolutely. Like, let's go ahead and make the agreement now because you yeah, know, make the something's going to happen. So. Because if you're a property management group, you're not an insurance adjuster. That's not yeah. what your skill set is. It's not where you want to be. You want to be collecting rent and taking care of properties. Excellent. The best way to take care of properties is have a preventive agreement in place where the client's going to hire Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver is the name you need to know. Top of the hour timeout. It's the T-Row in the morning show on The Ref. We'll be back.